Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. It's one o'clock. It's a Wednesday, which means that Guy and I are doing trading spaces. Guy and I do these every Monday and Wednesday at one o'clock live. They're sponsored by CME Group. CME Group is the sponsor of our podcast that we do with Danny Moses. It drops every Friday. It's called On the Tape. So check that out in the podcast stores. Also, big news here, people. If you saw this tweet um, about our trading spaces that we're doing right now, Amanda Diaz, she's just a legend here. She got Twitter to change it. It used to be at underscore trading spaces and now it's just at trading spaces so kudos to amanda thanks wow. for follow us at trading spaces and amanda will tweet out charts as we're discussing them here um this will Do also I, be i have a question for you i know you have more things you want to say when when the what do they call that thing your avatar gets changed do i have to refollow us or do nope. you automatically get is that just sort of just automatically changes okay, right so, so you can also follow trading spaces in the podcast stores and you just search for it under trading spaces and it's in there so if you miss it on monday and wednesdays you can pick it up all right guy um been a heck of a week on monday on our trading spaces we had danny moses join us he made a really great call i think at the time you know at 11 i think the market was down the s&p was probably down two percent that morning and the uh, nasdaq was down about three percent huge rally into the close the nasdaq i think closed unchanged i think it had been down maybe five of six trading days on the year prior to that at the lows i think it was down maybe nine percent from the highs um which we were saying at the time was pretty amazing is that the S&P last week had made a new high, but the NASDAQ had not made a new high since pre-Omicron, since like Thanksgiving week. And so that underperformance or relative underperformance was very notable. But here we are. We came barreling back. I think you had 100% the right call. You said that Fed Powell, Fed Chair Powell, in front of that Senate reconfirmation hearing, that what he was going to do is stick to his guns on the hawkish side because of credibility issues, that sort of thing. So how has this week played out um, relative to what your expectations were? The S&P is basically unchanged on the year now, and the NASDAQ's down about 2%. Well, I did think he would be more hawkish than people thought, but I also then thought subsequently the 10-year yields, which are now 1.71%, would be north of 1.85%. So that was incorrect. Um, I thought the market wouldn't particularly like that. That was incorrect. So sometimes being right doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have the right market call. What sticks out to me, though, in terms of everything you just talked about is, again, you know, definitely sticking to their guns. I mean, it's clear that inflation is a concern, rightly so. I mean, we're talking about numbers we haven't seen in, what, 40-something years. It's pretty remarkable. But what sticks out today specifically is the move in some of these resource names and the move in energy, you know, that continues to sort of grind. And, you know, you saw WTI back above 80 bucks. Very quietly, you're seeing this rally in oil. Now, oil services has sold off a little bit over the last couple hours, the OIH. But the move from 175 in OIH uh, to current levels in a very short period of time is pretty interesting. 
All right, let's talk about crude oil, though, because you just mentioned above um, 80. You see that prior high there, guy. I mean, it's come a long way. Um, do you think it kind of like is there enough there to break it out, I guess, is the is the real question. I think, you know, the rate move um, and the Dixie, you know, we were talking about the dollar index. I mean, it's really stuck here at like 95. And so if it were to break out of this range and rates were to go a bit higher, then does oil have a tougher time? Because the move in the dollar today is is pretty interesting. If you were looking for, I mean, it's just kind of tracking yields in a way. And I think that I think the dollar and the lack of uh, the ability, inability of the ten-year to kind of make new highs the way the two-year did, um, to me signifies that maybe the rate move is done, guy. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. I mean, look, you might be spot on. I don't know. I mean, I think. I don't think the rate move is done. I think the narrowing of the two tens will continue. You know, I've said, and I'll continue to say this. I think you're going to wind up seeing a two year either side of one and a half percent. And that spread is going to be about 30 basis points. So you can do the math. I think the 10 years one eight. Now, who knows? Maybe I'm, I'm completely off my rocker here. We'll see. But I think the the rates are trying to figure it out in terms of OIH, which I think you rightly point out, look, it is, it is not, it is still in this range. I mean, mm -hmm. if you go back to, I want to say February, obviously of last year, I mean, it's been basically 175, 225, 175, 225. It's done it a number of times. And here we are at 218. So in my mind, an, a breakout for the OIH has to take place on a close above 230. And obviously, we're not that close right now. So I still think oil's going higher. I still think rates are going higher. But now both of those things have gotten to levels where now the bulls have to prove themselves. No doubt. And, you know, your oil services chart, though, if you look back to, I think that February 2020 is going to be an important kind of anniversary of, you know, the market correction, if you will. Um, and listen, I mean, maybe the OIH is kind of like banging around in this very volatile range that you just detailed and, and, and playing for a break above that level. And then you probably find yourself at 300. So, um, you know, that's an interesting one. I mean, crude oil, though, guy, I just just going back to this one for a second. And regardless of what the dollar and rates are doing here, um, you know, it's come from basically the, the low 60s, um, early December at the height of the Omicron kind of scare and here we are now in the low 80s that mm -hmm. prior high was about 85 i mean for it to get to 85 and break out in a meaningful way i mean that's come a freaking long way i mean do yeah, you think is. that's a good likelihood i do but i can understand and, I, and i'm trying to I'm, I'm trying not to be dogmatic here i'm trying to keep an open mind but i still think there's a lot left look i think the crude trade got derailed clearly on the back of the, the new variant, which we heard about on the Friday after Thanksgiving, right? And obviously to a, to a much lesser extent, but uh, the SPR release. So both those things are now in the rearview mirror. And I think the fundamentals that were driving crude in the first place have never really abated. The only thing that changed was this concern with the variant that global, you know, the global economies would slow down. And I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. And this well, it happened. It did happen. I mean, like, well, it happened. Listen, it happened for a period of time. Absolutely. I don't think it's I think that is transitory. But, you know, I don't think the the move in energy is. Let's put it okay. that way. All right. Let's talk about. So we're talking about what um, higher rates of, the, you know, the effects on different risk assets. Let's talk about high valuation technology shares. They've obviously get, been hard hit 
um, over the last few weeks and really in, in many of them um, in the smaller market caps over the last um, few months or quarters. Um, what do you think, you know, Carter had Carter Braxtonworth, our friend from fast money and a market call. He joins guy and me on Mondays at 11 AM live on market call. So follow that on Twitter and check that out. That's fun. Every week. Um, he had a chart. I think it was Monday to the penny, the QQQ, oh. the NASDAQ 100, holding or at least breaching that uptrend briefly for the first time in a while. And Carter likes to look at the 150-day moving average. Um, and it was the first break in the QQQ of the 150-day moving average since the spring of 2020. So I think that was kind of an interesting stat. And then here was another stat that I read on Twitter. So it has to be true, Guy. On Monday, okay, when the, the NASDAQ was down like that, over, you ready for this? Over 40% of the stocks in the NASDAQ were down more than 50% from their 52-week highs. And, and you think about that, the NASDAQ itself, I think, at its lows on Monday was down 8 or 9% from its recent 52-week highs. What does that say to you about the bifurcation in technology? We know that the top seven stocks in the NASDAQ 100 make up 50% of the weight. That's exactly what it tells me. It tells me that the market continues to be carried by you know a handful to two ten or so names, and obviously my concern has been you know this damage beneath the surface under the hood, which we've talked about now for months. You know it does listen. It has not manifested in the broader market yet. It's just and again I'll say I think it's just a matter of time. You, you know Carter talks about this and you've brought it up. You know, wait, they've shot the pawns, I guess. So, you know, the the front, the, the, the early troops. And it's just a matter of time before they come for the generals. And the generals take the form of the names that we'll talk about every single day. And we'll see. So, by the way, one of the generals, and you had a great call on this. You know, we had talked about Amazon potentially being a great trade for this year. We talked about it late last year. And you said you'd really want to wait for it to get down to about 3,200. Well, Look at the low that Amazon made earlier this week, I think 3130. I think it actually closed right around 3200 that day. So I think your entry point is spot on. But I bring up Amazon because outside of that um, bit of a now false breakout we saw earlier or later last year, stock has not traded well at all. No, it hasn't. I mean, my, my take there was, and, and again, you and I don't always have the, you know, the benefit of saying, hey, I would buy something here. People are like, ah, you're kind of being, you know, a little too uh, careful there. I mean, you know, you go on Fast Money, you go on these spaces, we do our market calls. I mean, we're just trying to call it like we see them. And, you know, we often are looking for certain levels, whether it be technicals, valuations, whether maybe it's like in and around catalysts, you know what I mean, to kind of leg into something just because we're talking about a name doesn't mean that we have to say buy or sell it there and again do your own research i mean we're just uh kind of doing the way we think about it i actually really think guy that we're going to have a retest at 3000 in amazon and that was really kind of my level i'd love to see it get really washed out and i also think that the under the relative underperformance um to apple to microsoft to alphabet is obviously notable over the last year or so and i think that probably changes and i think what's interesting about those other three names that i mentioned is that they all had massive changings of the guard in the last 10 years in the c-suite and we know that you know when apple really started to kick in 10 years ago after steve jobs passed with tim cook their their cash 
cash return. I mean, they bought back over a half a trillion dollars in stock over the last 10 years, which is remarkable, paid over $100 billion in dividends. Um, you know, Google really was in a malaise until I think Ruth Porat came in. How many years ago was that? Six, seven, I eight years? I think she came like? in, I want to say uh, late 2015. I might be off by yeah. a year. But yeah, I mean, to that point, you go back and look. I mean, everybody thinks Google's been this amazing stock. It has been, but it really, you know, it really rose uh, and really had this meteoric rise like Jason Farkas when Ruth Porat took over. So, good but what did she out. do, guy? One of the first things that she started to do was buy, start buying back their stock. Well, um, and I think she brought, you know, I, I think she brought with her there a level of, I don't want to say professionalism, but, you know, maybe a level of understanding that, I don't think the founders necessarily had or needed to have. But I'll mention one other thing. You mentioned changing of the guard. Now, this is where I go off the rails a bit. Uh -oh. um, the Swiss guard, if you've never seen it, you should absolutely do it. And beef eaters to this day is still my favorite gin. Back to you. Fair enough. Hey, here's one, you know, in Microsoft, obviously, again, this is in the capital return space. I think it's interesting that last year, Microsoft also showed really great relative strength. You know, Apple's like like had a 20% peak to drop decline in Q1 um, from its highs. Obviously the peak uh, implies the peak to trough uh, sort of bit. Um, you know, Amazon um, also had what, 15, 20%. Microsoft all of last year, I don't think it had greater than a 10% um, decline from a high, which I think is really interesting. But here's the thing. Look what happened this year so far in Microsoft. At its lows on Monday, Guy, it was down, I think about 12% or mm -hmm. so. You know where it ticked? It literally ticked at that breakout level from October, which was right around, I'm looking at it here, like 306 or something like that. So it's funny. We have a lot of you know traders or investors, maybe who are new to markets, they ask us, why are you guys always talking about charts and why are you always talking about them on audio sort of mediums? And part of it is, is like they really, I mean, people are looking at all the same shit, man. And so ooh, ooh. like, look, but, but look at that reversal right off of that breakout no, level. I, I mean, that was the spot, right? And what I wanted to say earlier, and I, I, I should have just mentioned quickly you know you mentioned the potential for amazon to trade down to that level and i don't yeah. disagree with you by the way but if it were to do that then you'd have to ask yourself right what's the nasdaq going to do and i would take us back to i think it was october 4th low ish of about fourteen thousand two hundred, and nasdaq was about a thousand points from here so if you're trying to connect dots those are the dots i would connect that's what a lot of people looking at charts try to do. So you nailed that guy. All right, let's talk about bank stocks. We know that we get earnings uh, kicked off this week. JP Morgan, is that tomorrow morning or is it Friday morning? I think it's I Friday. If I'm wrong, please don't at me, but I do think it's Friday. Or at him and correct him. Um, that's what at you should say. At, at, at me and correct me. Um, so it's funny. I'm looking up at my board right now, guy, and I'm looking at the money center banks up a little bit. So that's JP uh, bank is, is down a little bit. Uh, Wells Fargo city are, are both unchanged or up ish, but look at Goldman and Morgan down 2%. So investment banks doing one thing um, showing, you know, relative underperformance of the money center. Do you have any like nuanced thoughts into yeah. bank earnings areas that you want to be over others? Great, great point. I'm glad you mentioned it because I saw the same thing. So more, both Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs have effectively, effectively traded in this sideways range since I want to say late July, early August in both cases. So I think the bulls will look at this and say, OK, both these names are building a base like they did. By the way, if you go back and look in the summer of 2020, they both did similar, specifically Morgan Stanley traded sideways from June, I think, until I want to say mid-October or Halloween 
around the 47, 48 level. And then it broke out. And I think that's what you're seeing here, this sort of sideways action over the course of five or six months that I think is going to reconcile itself with the next leg higher. Um, now, can I be wrong? Without question. I'm, as you watch Fast Money, you know I'm wrong all the time. But I think that's what's going on here. I think you're going to be once again surprised by how well Morgan Stanley is doing, not, no, not, necess- not just on an earnings basis, but just in terms of the three very distinct businesses they've gotten themselves into. You know, they've really reshaped themselves. Morgan Stanley um, was, a, was really poorly run for a long time, and they've gotten their act together over the last two and a half years. Fair enough. Okay, but that's just uh, my view. I mean, I'm not against. But you were talking about, you know, like it, it's interesting that a lot of these banks have really been consolidating. I think they've been kind of vacillating between the range on the up end. Like, just look at J.P. Morgan. You know, that 170 or like low 170s that was kind of got as high as in late October, early November, and it got as low as the mid 150s or so um, just last month. And you know, it seems to be moving around with like rates. It's funny, guy. You know what? Look at this. I'm just going to do something on the fly right here. Hold on. The 10 year, the 10 year between 1.5% and 1.75%. That's JP Morgan right there is literally mapping it like from 150 to 170. See what I just did there right there. You're going to get really upset at me because you know, I, that's you want to do, but I see that Chris Moore just joined us. And I mentioned that because, (laughs) you know, there's this old saying, when you're digging a hole for yourself, drop the shovel. And I think that if Joe Judge just shut his mouth over the last six or seven weeks of the season, my sense is he would still be the HC. And I hate it when people do that. But the HC is the head coach of the New York Giants. Instead, he continued to put his foot in his mouth, culminating with an 11-minute diatribe after the Bears game that I think sealed his fate. And obviously, obviously, two consecutive quarterback sneaks for a 4-12 and then 12 team going nowhere uh, against the Washington Football Club was embarrassing. To me, by the way, it's eerily reminiscent of the fumble, the Joe Pisarczyk to Larry Zonka. By the way, Jim Clack, I think, was the center of that giant team. That basically sealed the fate of the entire organization. They cleaned house there. That set forth a new paradigm. And I think you're going to see exactly the same here. Back to you, Dan Nathan. Yeah, Larry Zonka of Syracuse University fame there, Guy Adami. Um, all right. So, Banks. I, I, I kind of do, to be very frank. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I love you to death. But, I mean, call, no, into, but, the, call into the fan or something. No, I do. Call like, save, save us. I Save do. us that little rampage. Um, no one gives a shit about the Giants, dude. I got to be that's, frank. That's patently false. But okay. go ahead. Um, you know who I love um, on on Twitter? And if you guys don't follow him, Jumbo Elliott. He's like the man. I mean, he's like in finance Twitter. He's in Michigan football Twitter. He's in New York Giants Twitter. He's also does a little stuff in politics, which I really enjoy because I like his politics. All right, guy, let's talk about um, some of these names um, we're going to quickly, once we get the, by the bank earnings, we're going to get into tech earnings. And one of the names is really funny. You know, I always kind of try to gauge sentiment by like what we're talking about on Fast Money each night to kind of see what the shiniest objects are. Um, you know, we have not mentioned Netflix in a very long Have you noticed that? Have we even yeah. done a segment on Netflix in a while? And 
look at the stock. Did you see the run up? I mean, we were talking about the run up in the summer into the spring or excuse me, into the fall, but look at the way this stock has sold off and it's really not bouncing a whole heck of a lot this week. This thing has like 500 written all over it. Any thoughts? Cause this is going to be, this is going to be one of the early tech names that's going to report $700 stock. Um, you know, again, a stock that traded sideways for quite a long time. If you go back and look, I think it was the summer of 2020 into the spring of 21. And then finally had that big breakout. So what are you going to see now? Well, I think you're spot on with that. You're probably going to see this back and fill back to the levels that it consolidated at in the low 500s. You're at 539 now. But never underestimate the genius that is Reed Hastings, who but for one or so missteps has done everything right at Netflix. So I'm a huge Reed Hastings fan. I will continue to be. But I think you're smart in pointing out the fact that Netflix is not traded particularly well since that all-time high of 700 if memory serves by the way dan right around thanksgiving yeah fair enough all right let's talk about um these auto stocks because one of the names and you know you were talking about the generals before and how they shoot them last this tesla which is make no mistake about it a trillion dollar stock here this is like you know it's 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 important now we could have spent so and we did spend a lot of time talking about it when it was a hundred billion dollar market cap oh it's greater than the market cap of gm and ford combined remember all those remember all those well now it literally is what the sixth largest stock or maybe even the fifth in the entire s p 500 and it's important and the stock while yeah it's down from its all-time highs uh, just above 1200 is trading very near 1100 I mean, it's just a monster. I mean, it just really won't give it up. Thoughts here on Tesla, especially as we've seen Rivian come all the way back. That had, what, over $120 million market cap come all the way back. And then Ford continues to be a story. Just give me your take on the autos, and will they ever hit Tesla back to that 900 level where it got to, where you thought it might get to, that prior breakout level and bounced really hard? Will we see 900 again in the next few weeks? So, So much there to unravel. Ever, as you know, is a long time, number one. And when you said, you're going to hate me again, but when you said monster the way you said it, it brought me back to the movie Rounders when John Malkovich looks at Matt Damon and says, you know, you threw down a monster and it totally freaked him out. It got, you know, Matt Damon totally got into John Malkovich's head and then he subsequently fleeced him, which is a great scene, by the way, one of the great movie scenes of all time. What do I think about Tesla? Well, I've had a lot of shitty calls, pardon me, but Tesla, I think I've done a decent job with. And I said that, you know, into two earnings ago, I said, this stock is going to go running through the $1,000 level into earnings. And that's what happened. I didn't think it was getting to 1240. Subsequently, I said, it will trade down to and test the prior all-time high made in February of $900.33. If you go back and look, I think it was December 20th. That's what it did. I think we're set up to trade up to $1,500. I'm hard-pressed to believe we're going to take another run at 900 But the next time down, if it happens... It ain't holding. Back to you. Oh, and the rest of the names. Rivian, look, I know all the geniuses out there, you know, that are on TV said, you know, they held on their Rivian and they sold it at 150. That's bullshit as well, number one. You know, we've said for a long time, it doesn't make any sense. And it makes more sense to go back and look at the $90 level, which it subsequently did. And I still think Ford, despite the ridiculous run that it's had, is going higher. I hope I answered your questions. No, that was great. Um, I Thank will you. say this about the Rivian. There were some people who sold, Guy, and they were called the hedge funds that got it on the print at what whatever it printed yeah, at 78. You know, can I tell you something? You know exactly what I'm saying. No, I, mean, I do. I do. 
all the people with their proprietary systems and you know all oh those people yeah. those they, they, people yeah. who okay yeah. Yeah. who have like yeah I yeah gotcha. exactly um well that would be some unusual activity i think um if they didn't sell the highs or buy the lows that's all i'm saying by the hey, way not to and i'm i know we're coming up on it but cassius cuvee who i totally dig if you don't know who he is follow him he just told me he's gonna write a like theme song for trading spaces which i really? can't wait yeah i, Dude, I he, you know what he got a lot of play he did his spac dreams that video which killed you remember that thing killed. Uh, in the, it was like a year ago when when spacs were um a big a thing. thing hey guy let's talk about industrials really quickly um you know some stocks like boeing have come off the mat here you know boeing made a new 52 week high in december it seemed like their problems are never ending i'm taking a look at the downtrend that's been in place the highs in march um above i don't know just below 280 um all the way down to i don't know i had a 180 handle on it. it was like what 185 or something in december it's bounced a bit there's pretty well defined downtrend there the 200 day moving average about 225 thoughts there on boeing it's nowhere you know you look up yeah it's had a decent run you just said it i mean it's bounced from the recent levels i think it did trade down to 190 or so on december 16th so here we are at 220 i mean you can do the math but you go back and look then you just sort of broaden it out and look where i mean for context just just why not i mean in february of, of 2020 before the world started to go pear-shaped this was a $340 stock. Not that that matters, but so many of the names out there have recovered those levels. Boeing is not even close. And so many of the problems of Boeing are self-inflicted. And oh, by the way, don't underestimate um, their, the significance that the Chinese have with Boeing and how they could potentially use Boeing as a pawn in all these different games that they're playing. And then on top of that, by the way, if you do watch CNBC's Fast Money, I've said a number of times that in terms of, and now I'm completely off the rails, but a name like Alibaba, which has been grim death since yeah. that all-time high of Halloween, I think of 2020-ish, there have been counter-trend rallies along the way that have been staggering. And about a week and a half or so ago, when I think it was trading 118 or so, I said there's a real opportunity for this thing to get to 135 and still be in a downtrend. Please, Dan, pull up your Google machine and check out where uh, symbol B-A-B-A -B -A is. It's 136.63, guy. Watch. All right. Well, here's one thing. You know, it's funny when you started talking about Baba. I was looking at the FXI. That's the, uh, you know, the iShares yeah, um, large cap uh, China uh, ETF. And I was literally looking at that when you. Um, Come on. Start, yes. It. Yeah. And and look at this. You know, the FXI bounced off of like 35 and it's right now touching up against that resistance from its 52 week highs in last February. That was, I don't know, 54 bucks or something like that. It's kind of right at resistance. So it'll be interesting to see if that can get through. All right, guy, I want to, I want to do something a little different here. So usually uh -oh. we take questions uh -oh. at the end of this, but I want to ask you, you talk a, about how the, the offensive no, line, how nope. I would construct I don't, next I, I don't, but we should do something with Chris Moore. Cause I love Chris Moore. And I, you just you mentioned know, him. I know Chris Moore. I know. He's By the way, just let me say this. If there are any fan executives that are listening right now, yeah. You, Chris Moore, by himself, should have his own show. There are not a lot of people that have the chops to do their own show. He is one of them. Anyway, back to you. All right, so I want to ask you a question, because, and this is a serious one, um, because, uh -oh. you know, the thing I'm asking you about has changed your life. It's changed my life in many different ways. This um, this the, week. A diet? No. no. Peloton, no. This Sorry. week. this Dude, keep it together, bro. Um, this week, 
is the 15 year anniversary of fast money. And you were on the show the very first day it broadcasted. So talk to us a little bit about what was it like? What were your heading into that first day? And I know you guys have been doing a fast money segment, right? And a couple of other shows in 2006 and into 2007, what was that first day like? Because if you guys Google this, maybe Amanda can find it. There's an article in the New York Times talking about like how the, CNBC the is getting This is back. Is yeah, it, it's great. And there's a picture of you where you had hair and it was brown. Uh, it's pretty, oh. it was pretty. T talk to us about that day and what your expectations were for the show and what it meant to you at the time. And did you ever think 15 years later, you'd, you'd literally be, you know, Mel Melissa's co-anchor and you're amazing well, at it. No, and, I, I mean, and I'm just saying it's, it, it, it truly is amazing, guys. What did I think? I, you know, I during 2006 when Fast Money was a segment on an existing show, I turned to a couple of guys. No, by the way, none of them still with the show. And I said, you know, I think there's something here. Like I think we've tapped into something. And you know, my my reasoning was we were trying to demystify and we we're trying to take the intimidation and the fear out of what historically has been a really scary area, and that's obviously markets and finance. And People started to find us, and I think they enjoyed just the organic nature of the conversations. It was unscripted. It was fun. It was a bit irreverent. Uh, it was for non-television people with a crazy host in the form of Dylan Radigan, and we caught something. Obviously, the world sort of melted down very early on in, in the lifeline of Fast Money or the life cycle of Fast Money, and the audience flocked to us. When we were doing numbers that rivaled CNN, you know, for about an 18 month period or so. And I think a lot of that audience obviously left, but a lot of them stayed as well. And, and I think the, the genius of Fast Money is the fact that, you know, it's people, it's four different opinions. It's a conversation. It's fun. We don't take ourselves all that seriously. And we've tried to help people navigate what has historically been a very difficult um Listen, just a very difficult um, format and a difficult industry. And one thing people have realized is, you know what, there are no experts. And, and I never pretend to be. And I think people learn the hard way in 08 and 09 that there are no experts. They also learn that nobody cares more about their own money than they do. And you should empower yourself. So I think that's what we've tried to do. And to a certain extent, I think we've been successful. Yeah, I think the no experts part is really important. And I think what you know you have to impart is that all the experience that you had as an investor, as a trader, and you brought that to um, a platform that really, you know, it used to be for, for the way I used to think about CNBC, it was a bunch of huge fund managers. They're long only. They're always thinking up, up, up. Uh, a bunch of sell side strategists and analysts. Again, they're always thinking up, 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 right? Because you don't get fired for being too bullish for the most part on Wall Street. And so I think bringing market participants who are actually, you know, coming from the trenches, wherever those trenches were, um, was really the, the differential for me. Um, I definitely think um, the show, you know, I think has evolved really nicely. There's a lot of great voices, um, you know, and we try to do different things. We try to cover different asset classes. We really try to kind of like use the term demystify. I think that's really important because one of the things we learn all the time, we tweet with people, we get emails from people, we have people come on um, our spaces and talk to us. All these people, for the most part, are doing other jobs. They're doing real jobs, mm -hmm. right? And they're trying to, like, kind of just get a little bit of information that might help them, you know, understand something a bit better that they're doing in their own investing or their own trading. And so that's the that's the fun part for me. Um, but I, I, you know, I always enjoyed you on that show. I thought it was a little... 
it was a little too testosterone filled in the beginning. Um, a lots of like six foot two, like ex football player bros like you and stuff like that. Um, now it's, you know, now you have a bunch of lax bros like Mills and me on there. And Tim, what did Tim play? Like, did he play like badminton? Yeah, I played badminton or something like that. Um, By the right, way, well, before, I know we're up against it. Tell the first time you met me, tell, uh, didn't even meet me, but tell people uh, and use the words you want to use. Don't. Yeah, I will. I, I'll do it right now. So it was. Um, I, I did options action, um, in, in April of 2009, um, it was the first time I ever did it. And a woman, Mary Duffy, um, who ran a lot of things or still does run a lot of things. She said to me, Hey, listen, we really like to raise your exposure, like get, get people on the network to kind of know who you are a little bit. So we really want you to go on fast money. Um, and so this was a few weeks after I, my first appearance on options action. And I go to the end of the desk, Melissa was the host and she was the host of options action. And I stand up there and I was going to give like a preview of AMAT's earnings what the options market was saying about it. Uh, not unusual activity. And, um, Melissa looks up and says, Hey Dan, great to have you. Not one of you jackasses looked up and said, hi, you were like, just looking at your fake notes down there and not one of you, not you guy, not a, Hey man, how are you? Good to see you. You know, that sort of thing. Now. I was like, I walked off the set and I emailed Mary and I'm saying, I'm never going to that fucking show ever again. Um, and I didn't go on for two years. And I'll tell you what happened. John Malloy, who is the producer of the show, he knew he knew I was a big Grateful Dead fan. One day he calls me up and says, listen, I know you don't do the show, but we're having Bob Weir, okay, one of the front men of the Grateful Dead, um, on the show tonight. I know you're a big fan. Will you come on? And I did come on and we had a great time with Bob Weir. You were cool. You actually said hi to him, which was really nice of you guy, in the break. And then uh, that was it. And I started doing the show. So that was back in 2011. Well, there's this old saying, you know, I watched, I think it was um, the deer hunter or good morning Vietnam or something. And they asked people, you know, why don't you get to know the names of the new? Uh, yeah. And the reason they gave was because typically they don't last very long. So in my view, you know, they had run so many people through there. I mean, you know, I was just, I was just channeling. You know what that favorite. quote is from? That quote I was, was from Platoon, actually. Oh, Platoon. Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah. I was going to uh, say, I was channeling my inner Tom Berenger. But anyway. Yeah. Well, Bye. listen, man, and I mean it really seriously. And I think a lot of people on here, they're probably going to give you the little 100 emojis and stuff like that. Um, you, you made markets fun. You made it digestible, um, you know, and, and there's not, there's nobody who has more fun on financial TV than you do. And I'm just really... I'm really happy to be involved with the stuff that we're doing and, and doing the show with you for the last 10 years because some of our very dear friends in the world are the participants and the people who make that show. So it's been a lot I of fun. Appreciate you know, I feel the same way. And there are a lot of chapters. And you know what? You got to have fun with this stuff. We're not splitting the fucking atom here, people. So. <laughs> no, we're, we are, you and I are certainly not. All right, listen. Thanks, Guy Donnie. Congrats on the anniversary. Um, you know, you, you wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the same without you my man um and uh so listen thank you guys all for being here on this trading spaces guy and i do them every monday and wednesday at one o'clock they're sponsored by cme group they are also the sponsor of our podcast that we do with danny moses that drops on fridays we have danny's ex-partners from the big short uh uh who we have porter collins and vincent daniel yep. who are going to be joining us this week it's gonna be a great conversation and also guys I launched a new podcast. Guy's going to pop on every once in a while. It's called OK Computer. Um, Amanda Diaz also um, produces that one. And we're having a lot of fun with that. It just launched 
please throw it a follow in the podcast stores. Check it out. Listen to it. This week we had Adam Bain of O1 Advisors, former COO at Twitter, Katie Stanton, who's one of my co-hosts, and Packy McCormick. And we also had a huge announcement from our friend Cleo Abrams, who's a contributor on it. So we talked Web3, we talked climate tech, health tech, and a lot of ways in which these guys are putting their money to work. So check out OK Computer. Guy Dami, happy anniversary, buddy. And we'll see you on Fast Money. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. Later, folks. 